0: Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and just general news around the NHL. I'm your host tonight, Jordan Linscott, and I'll be joined by my co-hosts David Barnhouse, Kevin Mousto, and Nicola Page. On tonight's schedule, we have a lot of news to cover for the Red Wings, a little light on the Blackhawks side. And then probably one of the biggest stories to come out of the NHL this season aside from the Don Cherry incident last week. Um, so let's go ahead and just walk through the topics real quick. Uh, for the Red Wings, we're going to be talking about the possible rumor of them picking up Jesse Poliarvi from Edmonton. Uh, Robbie Fabry continuing to impress and that trade still yielding points for the Red Wings. Uh, Luke Glendinning coming back to the team and also Moritz Sider getting his first AHL goal big step for him and What is hopefully Detroit plenty more in the future and then we move over to the Hawks side We're gonna be talking about Alec Regula being uh, basically a point-per-game player with the London Knights uh, Nick's gonna talk about uh, Christopher Stieg a little bit a guy that he was following for a bit and then we're also gonna talk about Kirby doc being I believe it's the eighth highest point streak in the uh, NHL for rookies right now and then finally, outside the uh, Red Wings and the Blackhawks, we're going to talk about Mike Bagcock essentially being let go from the head coach position in Toronto, what that means for him, their team, and a rumor regarding him possibly being picked up by the Red Wings. Um, and then we'll do what we always do. We'll do our flash forward, our flashback, where we talk about the games of the week before and then the weeks coming up the next week and then we're going to finish out this episode with basically a quarter season recap we're going to talk about the teams where they stand in the standings the good the bad just the straight up ugly and then we'll close out with some fan mail so with that being said let's go ahead and just jump right into this thing so first up the Detroit Red Wings uh rumors about them possibly picking up Jesse Poliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers um admittedly I think this would be okay if the Red Wings could do it without giving up notable assets. Um, he's came out and said basically he wants to be with somebody else besides Edmonton if he's not going to be given, you know, pretty much prime time minutes with them and they don't look to be doing that. So Edmonton's dealing kind of weak. If they can, if Detroit can pick him up for relatively cheap, I'd be okay with it. Otherwise it's a hard pass for me. Uh, what do you think, David?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I agree if we can get him without giving up any prospects or a lot of assets. I mean, we have a lot of future draft picks. If we can just give them like a little package deal of draft picks, I'd be fine with that. Um, I'd say like a second and third from this year and maybe one for next year. So you, you, yeah.
2: trade a, you trade a second and third this year and then a second or third next year?
1: Yeah, like a second this year and a third next year or vice versa. Just
2: Oh, okay. I got you.
3: Sorry, I didn't say it right. See, like, I wouldn't even pay that much for Pouliardy. I don't believe in his ability. I think he's a very low IQ player. I don't think he can really keep up with the pace of the NHL. So, for me, like, the absolute max I would pay, I think, is like a third round pick. And obviously, Edmonton is setting a really high price point for him, so they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't bite on an offer like that.
1: And I mean, I can get it because they drafted him fourth overall. Uh, 3 mm-hmm. years ago so like yeah he's in in their opinion he's still worth a lot to them but looking at his stats since he's been with them it's not great i mean looking at the stats uh his first season he played 28 games had a goal and an assist second season 65 games 12 goals eight assists and then um last year 46 and 4 or
0: 46 That's... games four goals five assists i mean you just kind of mentioned it i mean it's It's basically one of these things where I think Edmonton is still stuck on the fact that Jesse pooley value is high because they drafted him high, but his NHL sample size, like you guys mentioned, it's not anything where it looks like where you're looking at this kid and you're saying... He's going to be a guaranteed top-line or second-line player. He hasn't shown that really at all based on anything we've seen. And I could see maybe Detroit giving up a third-round pick form that turns into a conditional second if Detroit maybe makes the playoffs. Maybe that's the sort of trade that they can make happen, but if it's a second as the lowest or higher, this is a hard pass. Yeah,
3: and yeah, just to put things in perspective with Pugliarvi, he's 13th in scoring among his draft class. And Philip Hronick is right about to pass him.
1: Philip Peronik, goat.
2: He's Jesse Bollardi is actually having a solid season in uh, the league right now. He has 23 points in 21 games, so it's one of those things. It's very, it's a very intriguing piece to go after. Again, though, it's just he's not worth what Edmonton's asking for. So maybe with the relationship Ken Holland has with the Red Wings, they could work something out. But it's definitely if it's a reasonable price, it's definitely worth looking into from the Detroit Red Wings aspect.
3: Yeah, I mean Pugliarvi has always looked good playing in Finland because it's just lower competition there, and the game is also played a lot slower. There's much kind of larger ice surface, so he has more room to do things. It's just at the NHL level, I just don't think he can keep up with the pace.
2: It would also and I just, mean,
0: go ahead, Nick.
2: It, it, I'm just. I was just going to add a little quick tidbit. I mean, it would. It would stay on pace of what Eisman is trying to do right now, is acquire, you know, these former first-round picks that you know, maybe haven't gotten to express all that talent that they have. So this would just be another uh, little project Iseman could work on, but we will see. I guess It has to be solved by December 1st, so we'll see from there. And his most
3: recent project is working out quite nicely. <laughs> yes, it is.
0: Say <laughs> so his, uh, his most, I guess, recent project. Well, you just brought him up, Kevin. Uh, Robbie Fabry continuing to impress with the Detroit Red Wings, still putting up points on the board. As much as I didn't like the trade initially, this trade is aging very well already for the Red Wings. Which trade again? Uh, the Robbie Fabry trade. Oh, Robbie Fabry.
1: Um, hang his jersey in the Raptors already, man. Guys guys, got it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I
2: mean, he's over a point a game right now. He's got yeah, seven points in really six good. games.
1: Yeah, he's been fantastic. He just, needed, he just needed a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that was exactly it.
3: I mean, we always hear about these change of scenery trades and Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And in this case, it's definitely working. Maybe not for Dale Rose, but uh, definitely for Fabry.
1: Yeah. And then Perlini hasn't been terrible. I mean, he shows up on the score sheet every so often.
2: I think he's got, what does he got, like one? I think he only has his assist in, what, 10 games. Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah, it said every so often.
2: God. No. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, that's Perlini for you, though. Like, that's that's give, who he is. He'll give you mediocre... He'll give you a mediocre nights, uh, probably majority of the nights, and then he'll go off in a 10 game streak where you're just like, this dude's the best player in the NHL. And I
1: mean, just feel like Blashill's not the coach to get that out of him or a lot of guys. But apparently, from what I've been reading, our players really hated uh, Babcock. So
2: <laughs> we'll get to Yeah, we'll definitely get to that later.
0: So we'll, we'll talk about Mike Babcock in a minute. I um, love this yeah.
2: Fabry deal, though. When you first got him, I that was all on board because Fabry was a really good talent. For St. Louis before those two devastating injuries. And, you know, and uh, St. Louis had him playing like a third line checking role, fourth line grinder role. And now he's in Detroit where he can really put himself in a position to shine. So it's worked out for Detroit. And as he might be a good piece for the long term future. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: mean, he's a young player. That's definitely a guy that can stick around for a while. And I said it when the trade was made very perplexing on St. Louis's part.
1: Mm hmm.
0: The The thing thing that's also been great about this is, I mean, like him and Athens, seem to have like just great chemistry together. I mean, what was it last season? He was basically getting put with Franz Nielsen or, uh, who's it? Uh, no, it wasn't Philip. It was just Nielsen last season, pretty much the whole season. And I mean, yeah, he put up 30 goals, but you could tell he was definitely having to do a lot of the work himself. Mm -hmm. Fabry's making Athanasius' ability to score just so much easier. And that's Uh what, the fantasy
3: you needed because he was off to a bit of a slow start this year.
0: Yep. Now, moving on with the Red Wings news. Um, not necessarily a new signing, but I guess it feels like a new signing for the season now that he's back. Uh, Luke Denning finally coming back to the Detroit Red Wings lineup. Uh, basically, that fourth line center who can play a shutdown game. He's your penalty kill guy. Hopefully, Detroit gets him back and he stays healthy because he's shown that he can be a great fourth liner and his penalty kill stats. As much as you would like to see him score, he makes up for it in his defensive game, and the Red Wings know exactly how to how to deploy him, and they deploy him pretty well, I think. So this is just great for their depth. Yep. Then the, uh, the last piece of, I guess you could call it, Red Wings news, uh, Moritz Seider, the sixth overall pick from this year, got his first AHL goal with the Grand Rapids Griffins, so good for him. Uh, yeah, it was Seider, a beauty. Yeah, I mean... We kind of talked about this around the draft, but Moritz Sider has been pretty much labeled a shutdown defenseman. Nobody's expecting him to be an offensive dynamo like a Brett Burns or Eric Carlson or like a Duncan Keith type player. He's very much expected to be more of like a shutdown defenseman. So just the fact that he's finally starting to get production besides assists, that's a good sign for him. If he can develop that offensive game, and he could become a serious
1: dual threat defenseman.
3: Yeah, I mean he does he does have a nice shot. I think it was at uh, at the worlds this this year because he played for, for Germany. He yeah. had uh, I think he scored a couple goals. He has a really nice slap shot from the point.
1: Yeah, from what I read on his bio, he is um, really good at quarterbacking like the play, power play, and he's not mm-hmm. afraid to move up in the play when there's a rush. So if he can get comfortable with that with the Griffins and transition it to the NHL, he could be a
0: serious, serious player. In the future yeah, I uh, I actually had the chance to go watch The uh, the Griffins play the Ice Hogs Which for those of you who don't know The Griffins are obviously the Red Wings affiliate And then the Ice Hogs are the affiliate Of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks So I got to watch both us uh, Ider and Boquist Which for me was fun Because if last year If the Red Wings had not lucked into Phillips Zadina, I absolutely wanted them To take either Adam Boquist or Evan Bouchard um, Over Over um, Hughes it's absolutely over Hughes like I know a lot of people hear me out (laughs) everyone likes to you know praise Quinn Hughes and his skating and like his defensive reads fair enough that's fine but I think at the end of the day I think Adam Boquist is going to be just a better playmaking defenseman and I think that Evan Bouchard is going to be a better scoring defenseman than Quinn Hughes will I think they're very much different in the sense of how they want to play a defensive game. Um, what could, I saw could, from both of them was fantastic. But could you imagine if we had Quinn Hughes and Moritz Cider as our line? That'd be if fun. that was the case, though, that Detroit would be in a, a great spot for defensive pairings. I mean, we'd have, what is it? we'd have cider, uh, we'd have Hughes, we'd have Philip Pranik. I mean, that's three of your six guys right there. And all three of them look to be decent players.
1: But hey, I hope Zadina develops into this crazy scoring hurt. We all know he can be.
0: That's the thing. I mean, he's already got what is it? Was is, is it eight or ten goals with uh, Grand Rapids already this season? Zadina? Yeah, let me say. I I know he's up there in terms of like points. Like I mean, Grand Rapids fans is still. The
1: yet our fans still crap on him on Reddit.
0: He didn't make the NHL his first year out of the draft. And, I mean, that happens basically with what? Like the first maybe three picks of a draft? Uh, Phillips Adina.
2: It's automatically usually the first two. But, yeah, the third pick is hit or miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's worked out all right this year.
0: <laughs> he has six goals and six assists. So six and six. For some reason, I thought he had eight goals. But still, six isn't bad this quick into the season. Yeah, in 17 games, he scored 6-6. Six and six. Oh, he's got 12 points overall. So um, a little under a point per game, about what, point six ish or 0.7? Yeah. And
3: I think we've stated before, Zadina is one of those players that I think will do better in the NHL than in the AHL. Um, actually, a little bit like Alex Nylander for the Blackhawks, where he's been playing a lot better. This season, because now he actually gets to play with talent that can complement his skill set.
1: Yeah, and I think just getting him and Valeno called up together maybe next year. Once we lose, hopefully we lose some of the other remaining dead weight, and we can bring up more of these young guys.
2: Well, they'll be up. By, they'll be up by the trade deadline.
1: You think for so, the rest of the season?
2: By the trade deadline, probably. I mean,
1: even if we're a, still tanking.
2: Yeah, I mean, you might as well get them the time in. I mean, the tanking. True. If at this pace, I mean, you guys obviously have been heating up a little bit lately, but
1: we lost three in a row.
2: But I should have said this last week, but there's <clears throat> sorry, let me clear my throat. You guys have so many veterans coming off that are going to be UFAs next year that it only makes sense to unload those guys for future assets, and then you can let these guys come up and you know kind of give it get a chance at the NHL and get their feet up.
1: yeah get their feet them. oh yeah very true Iserman will you know work people over trust the Iser plan
0: i i I hadn't really thought about that but yeah that's actually pretty true nick i mean at the end of the season we lose jonathan erickson trevor daly uh trevor daly already gone like there are going to be some defensive spots open after this season for guys in grand rapids to take spots
2: So it only makes sense to unload them at the deadline and let these guys get a chance. I mean, while games really don't matter, they could still play at NHL level.
1: Yep. Our upcoming free agents, Mike Green, Erickson, Franzen, finally coming off.
0: I mean, like after this season, Detroit, if there's a defenseman in their prospect pool who wants to grab a job, next year is going to be the place to do it. And maybe that's when Warren Sider does it. I mean, like I said, what I saw from him in Grand Rapids, and yes, I've only seen a handful of games, but what I've seen from him so far, it looks really good. And like you can tell, when he played over in Germany against men like that, was very big in terms of preparing him to play against the sort of competition he'll play against in the NHL. Just like that big, aggressive-type style checking game. (laughs) We can move on, though, to the uh, Chicago Blackhawks side of the podcast. on the Hawks' side, a couple pieces of uh, news as well. Uh, Alec Regula, the pickup that uh, Detroit sent to Chicago, is currently on a point per game uh, pace with the London Knights. And sure, we can you know say, yeah, it's OHL. He's what is he? He's eighteen or nine? No, he's nineteen, playing against kids who are sixteen and seventeen. But that's still a pretty good pace to be at when you're playing. We're still at nineteen, and I mean, yeah guys who are 16 and 17 aren't filling out like a 19 year old guy is but still a good sign for chicago in terms of like building their back end when they have their exodus on defense as well
2: it's definitely a big perk to what the hawks i mean the hawks got him for brendan perlini who like we mentioned before when the trade went down the hawks were lucky to get anything out of brendan perlini just because they had no leverage and yeah regula although he's 19 going against minors he's still looking good i mean a point of game is nothing to I mean, I, even with you, with like you said, Jordan. Even with it being the OHL, it's still a promising start, and yeah, it's another nice defensive piece of the Blackhawks organization. And uh, he was the Red Wings. He was inside the Red Wings top ten prospects before the season started.
3: Yeah, and so that puts him eleventh uh, in
2: OHL scoring, defenseman. And then he's, I think, it's sixth in point per game scoring. So yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty solid start for Alec Regula and uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on going forward.
3: Yeah, and uh, we probably should see him up in uh, Rockford next year.
2: I believe that's the plan.
0: Um, also, uh, Nick, you actually brought uh, something to my attention about, I believe it was, who is it, Versteeg?
2: Yeah, Chris Versteeg.
0: you want to go ahead and just walk us through, uh, the, I guess, the, uh, the news on Versteeg?
2: Yeah, so it's a sad day for, uh, it was a sad day a couple days ago for my young childhood. Chris Versteeg was always one of my favorite players growing up, and he was the captain of the Icehawks this year. And he was been dealing with some injuries, and, you know, the other day he kind of just decided with how the AHL schedule is, because they sometimes play four or five games a week, four games in five days or something ridiculous like that. He was looking at the schedule and sat down with the Rockford GM and said, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, he kind of decided to stop playing. He's like, I can't keep up with this schedule. So he essentially retired. So this is the end of the road of Christopher Steak's professional career in the NHL slash AHL. And now I think he's going to play with his brother Mitch in some other league. But yeah, this is the end of Chris Just one of those guys, though. That I mean, clutch go- in twenty ten scored constant clutch goals. To mm-hmm. contribute in the twenty thirteen when they brought him back was it twenty thirteen or twenty fifteen? It's twenty fifteen. I think they brought him back. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, one of those locker room guys. Always gelled it together. Awesome rapper. You know, he sang. Yeah. Like <laughs> he liked to sing at the parade. So. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Just one of those things, yeah, yeah, it's one of those childhood things where he, he's a big part of me becoming a big Blackhawks fan developing into this huge Blackhawks fan when I was young. And, yeah, sad to see him go, but hell of a career for Chris Steak two-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah,
3: very important player to the Blackhawks organization. I mean, you can look at any of those Cup-winning teams, and really any of those players, you take them away and you probably have a very different team. Like, all those guys played their roles, played their parts in winning for the Hawks. So all super important. And I really like that he did come back to Chicago this season. He was up with the team for preseason, then went down to Rockford. And I'm sure, although he wasn't there too long in Rockford, I'm sure those younger guys on the team liked having a guy like him around.
2: Yeah, they absolutely did. And again, it's not like Rockford was kind of like forcing him out. This was his decision to mm-hmm. that one playing professional hockey so and it shows what the organization looked at him as just just to name him captain of the Rockford Icehawks this year it showed where he stood yeah. in this organization so yeah hats off to Chris Stieg with hell of a career and uh yeah what a uh, what a player I mean he wasn't a star player for the Blackhawks but he always contributed to his role and came up when you needed him too
3: yeah so best of luck to him and we'll see what he does now like maybe he might uh you know we'll see what kind of career he has after his playing career maybe he goes into coaching or something. I don't know what his plans are, but uh, yeah, all the best to Christopher Stieg.
2: Yeah, and before we close out, it's funny you mentioned that Kevin, he was actually talking about that, uh, that coaching is one of his options that he's really considering or being a commentator, which you could, I, with his personality, I see yeah. commentating, fitting him really well. I could see that too. But yeah, so yeah, like like we said, congrats to Christopher Stieg on a career and best of luck going forward. Well,
0: uh, since we're talking about somebody who's ending their career, how about we talk to, talk about a kid who's just starting his uh, Kirby Doc? Oh, <laughs> still on his point streak. Uh, I believe he's eighth overall in points for rookies right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not bad for a kid who I think is, six for goals. Say, not bad for a kid who got drafted this year and is playing on a team who he's being thrown against. Pretty decent competition. I mean, they're not just throwing him on the fourth and playing him against uh like slower shutdown type guys. He's getting meaningful competition right now. Yeah, and a kid who many
3: said was not NHL ready this year.
2: Yeah, it's uh, Kirby Doc. Is been without a doubt a stud. He's he's. I think you like you said, kevin that many where you're saying he's NHL ready. He's exceeded so much expectations and. Even the limited minutes he's playing, I think he's playing like fourteen minutes a night. He's taking advantage of every opportunity he's given, and that puts him in where he's at with the rookie scoring. and she's an unreal star for Kirby Dock in the limited minutes he's played, yeah.
3: and you know, I think I actually like that they've been sheltering him so far. Not that like he doesn't deserve to get more minutes, like he's definitely playing well and as a guy, you would want to play more, but I like that they're kind of easing him into into things because he's still 18 and the NHL schedule is you know very brutal at times. So I I like the way that they're handling his development. It is a bit similar to Andrei Svechnikov with Carolina last season where he was kind of sheltered a bit and now he's just exploding this season. I think we can see a similar
0: thing happen with Kirby. So Kirby's been really impressive so far this season. I mean, he had... uh... What was it? Was it two games ago where he had the two-goal, one-assist game?
3: Yeah, I think so.
0: Uh, Not bad. Was that against the Sabres? I believe it was against the Sabres.
3: I'm just double-checking. Yeah, he had two goals against the Sabres.
0: I mean, like, this kid, I mean, for being 18 and being thrown into a league that's really just the cream of the crop in terms of competition – Good on this kid for rising to the occasion. Like you guys mentioned, you know, a lot of people said he wasn't NHL ready when he got drafted. And proving the naysay or wrongs, I think that sort of put a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he knew he was good. I mean, these, like, people obviously, you know, they'll be humble in interviews, but he knew he was good. But the fact that people doubted him, I think just really put that much more of a fire underneath him. Oh, of course. I, I think so, too.
3: And, you know, Kirby's a really confident kid. You can see it in the interviews. And, yeah, I think that is part of it, is there were some naysayers. A lot of people didn't want Chicago to draft third overall. Um, you know, quickly, uh, opinions changed on him. But initially, like, people weren't too sure because, you know, Bowen Byron was available, Alex Turcott was available. And those two guys are great, too. And I'm sure will also do very well once they enter the league. But, yeah, Kirby is doing a really great job uh, proving the, the naysayers wrong.
0: If anybody has anything or has nothing else to add before we move on to the rest of the league, we can transfer out to the NHL in general. And, I mean, I think this week there's really just one piece of news that I think we can have a pretty in-depth discussion on this week, and it's the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs have let Mike Babcock go as their head coach. Um, Basically, for those who don't know, Mike Babcock got picked up from Toronto or got picked up to Toronto from Detroit. Uh he was the head coach of Detroit during mean, what is arguably their best years when they just had the all-star lineup as it's often called together. Oh um, yeah. Toronto basically threw everything at him. They gave him four great forwards and just really could not make this team work. Um already replaced him as the head or they've already replaced babcock with somebody different which obviously if you're gonna let a guy go you have to have somebody ready to step up um just initial reactions what do you guys think this means for the maple leaves
2: i don't think the maple Leafs are i don't think it really means that much i think it was kind of in the works i mean maybe a little early on the firing but it was the kyle Dubas has been grooming this sheldon keith coach for the longest time. I mean, I think he groomed him since the OHL. Then he was down the, in the AHL this year, and it's kind of like the Jeremy Colleton situation. But Kyle Dubas is very high on Sheldon Keith. And I think kind of, it's Babcock lost to so Ocarim. It seemed like players weren't really the, willing to go that extra mile for him. And, yeah, this is the sign of new things to come, but I don't think it means that much. I think we'll see the Toronto Maple Leafs kind of thrive soon. And we'll see. Yeah, I think that's my what I'm
3: thinking. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing is it does remind me a bit of Chicago last season where you have a very prolific coach that gets fired at really about the same time as, as Q got uh, let go last season um, and then game replaced with someone who has no NHL coaching experience but um, having success in other leagues. It Yeah, it happened with Colton, where he had his success in, in Sweden then Stan Bowman bought him, brought him to Rockford he took a really bad Rockford team and got them to the playoffs. And it's similar here with uh, Sheldon Keefe where he's been coaching the Marlies and they've been the top AHL team for a few years now.
0: Now, one thing that I've kind of uh, seen online brought up a little bit is, like, now you guys, you guys, uh, that you thought that this is a little, a little bit uh, early of a firing. I in some ways agree, but in other ways I disagree. I think that Mike Babcock, got just a little bit too long of a leash because of the success that he had in Detroit. But I think the problem is when you look at the success that he had in Detroit, right? He was given a team that was absolutely stacked that he didn't uh, build and that he didn't really develop. He basically got handed a great team. I mean, the core was already there when he got there of just that ridiculously talented group. And, in some ways, I think that overinflated what he could be as a coach. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I see the situation personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have seen that too. Like he had his his
3: success with uh, Team Canada at the Olympics, but again, mm-hmm. that's a very stacked roster he had to work
2: with.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
2: I think I think that's kind of what Babcock's thrives off of too, though. Like you, you mentioned his success in Detroit. But it's with all veteran. It was mostly veteran team, and I don't think Babcock really knows how to handle this, these youth players. Cause it's a whole different breed when you're handling these guys like Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and going back to like handling, trying to handle uh, Lidstrom and Dotsuk and Zetterberg. It's just it's a different scenario. I don't think he was really ready or really understands how to handle these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is
3: a little bit like uh, Coach Gwenville, where he was struggling a bit, I think, when it came to playing the younger players, he was so attached to his core in his in his later tenure with the Hawks, where he was really just, um, you know, playing as veterans over his young guys, not really developing the younger players too well, um, and a little bit different with Gwenville. I don't think, you know, people make, there's a lot of claims that Babcock is a real asshole, and that was not the case with Quenville. So a little bit different on those fronts, but I think it is a little bit of a similar situation.
0: Well, uh, talk. Talking about Babcock, um, I want your guys' opinion on a rumor. Uh, there's been this rumor floating around that after the season, Detroit might try to pick up uh Babcock again what do you guys think of that rumor because I've got pretty strong feelings about it
2: do uh, not do it
1: they w- they're not going to do it Um, I think he served his time here he did well but towards the end of his tenure um, they weren't retooling they were trying to build for playoffs and that wasn't what we were supposed to do you need to like give in to the rebuild um, but Iserman's not going to bring him back there's no way
3: I don't think it's completely off the table only because Detroit is in a situation where they do need to replace their head coach and a guy like Babcock has a pedigree despite what you may think about it and if, you know, those numbers are inflated or whatnot, he does have a pedigree and Detroit does need to replace uh, Blashell so, so I don't think it's off the table. I also don't think it's likely, but uh, I think... I can see why there's rumors floating around right now.
2: I just wouldn't do it. Like I said, I, I could see it too. I mean, there was even Hawks fans saying the Hawks should fire Colleton immediately right now and bring in Babcock. And oh, boy. As, oh as, much as, I was hard, as much as I was hard on Colleton, I even say no to that. I, think, I just think Babcock's, yes, he's had success, but I think he's overrated as well. I mean, the last nine seasons, he's made it to the second round twice. Of the playoffs, and that's including missing the playoffs one season. So, seven of the last nine seasons, he's either lost in the first round or didn't make the playoffs. And going back to like what I said before with the Maple Leafs, the Leafs or the Red Wings are in this young phase, and there's really going to be no veterans around that are really going to want to listen to him. So, there, it's going to be just putting themselves in a weird scenario, and I don't think it's a match made for them.
0: Steve Iserman, if you're listening to this podcast, for the love of God, don't pick up Mike Babcock. <laughs> I I got downvoted to hell on Reddit for it, but I can already see, if he gets brought in, I could see him having humongous problems, particularly with players like Athanasius or like Larkin, guys who very much like to adapt to plays on the fly And I don't want to say not play systems, but guys who will sometimes read a play as it's developing and make a decision on their own that the coach may not have agreed with. I can see that creating a huge rift between Babcock and uh, the current young guys that Detroit has. Yeah, and I I agree with
3: that. I mean, the Red Wings are a team that are young and they are rebuilding, so they're only going to get younger with the new talent they, they bring in and as we saw in toronto babcock is not very good with handling young talent so i don't think it would be a good fit but i do wonder now where does ba- uh, where does mike babcock go does he sign does he start next season or does he wait it out to see if he can get a role with seattle um, it'll be interesting to follow
0: i think actually seattle could be an interesting decision because i mean like you think about it right seattle's gonna have a completely new roster that's never played before they never had a coach Mm -hmm. to set like a locker room tone like they could use mike babcock as that guy who sets the tone for that room
3: i think it's a perfect fit and i think babcock could you know wait out next season, not not coaching, because he is still getting paid oh, for, yeah. I think, the next three years, right?
2: Bank! <laughs> He's making bank still. He doesn't have to work. Yeah.
3: So I think he can take a year off, chill, and then sign with Seattle.
2: I think Seattle actually makes perfect sense, because in the expansion draft, you're going to get a bunch guys that played in the NHL before, and they know what to expect. So Seattle is honestly probably the perfect fit for Mike Babcock.
1: Oh, of course. He's going gonna... to... I mean, can see him
2: especially with the rules that they're going to get, they're going to be in the same rules as Vegas. It, you're, they're going to be a loaded roster. And Mike Babcock can make something work out of that. And it'll probably be a lot of veterans on that roster
3: too. And so that probably be, be good for Babcock if there's not uh, too many young players there.
0: Yeah. I mean, like if Seattle tries to go the veteran route and tries to you know, be a contender as soon as they form sort of in the way that Vegas did where they picked up some veteran guys I think Babcock could be a good fit for them, but if they go, I guess not necessarily rebuild because you can't rebuild a new franchise. But if they go through through like a development path, I think maybe not. Well, mm-hmm. I just
3: think like through the expansion draft, I don't think there's going to be too many young players to grab up because yeah. they'll be protected, right? A lot so of guys I think, are going to be
0: protected. Yeah,
3: so like I just think like most of the players that will even be available to them will be more veteran types.
0: Um, Does anybody have anything else to uh, touch on with this subject before we move on to this week's flash forward and flashbacks? I think we're good to move on. Yeah. So at this point of the episode, we're going to do what's called the flashback and the flash forward. We talk about the previous games weeks, as well as the upcoming games for the week. And so since we started with the uh, Detroit Red Wings this week, let's go ahead and just start with them on the flashback. So this past recent week, the Red Wings had uh, three games. They played against the LA Kings on Thursday. They ended up losing that one 3-2 to two in overtime. They lost to the San Jose Sharks 4-3 to three in the shootout. And then they lost to the Ottawa Senators 4-3 in regulation. So going 0-3 on this trip. Um, and let's just go through these pretty quick. The Kings game, I didn't feel great about how the Red Wings played, but I didn't think that they played as good as they could have no I don't think that this team had a bad game per se this this game but it just seemed like something wasn't clicking for this team and I don't know whether it was just neutral zone play or if it was just chances not going their way but this game to me just I mean I think it was you David last week who put it this is a battle of the garbage the battle of the trash yes Mm mm-hmm that's what it was. It Really, that's what it was. Um, just a quick recap of the uh, scoreboard. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi got both of the team's goals. Anthony Mantha got two of the assists, and Dylan Larkin got an assist. So basically the top line, like they've been all season, lights out, just putting up good numbers. Um, the next game on the schedule, the San Jose Sharks, they lost 4-3 in the shootout. Uh, this one I thought was a much better performance overall from the Red Wings. I thought they did a better chance of generating shots. They did a better chance or a better job of generating offense from their back end. This one, I thought the Wings should have won. Mm-hmm. The uh, final game of the week, they had they uh, lost the Ottawa Senators in regulation four to three. This this was a game that I think Detroit absolutely could have won. Their neutral zone play, I thought, was really good, and I, I mean really good. During the third period, this team what was, it? I believe they generated 19 shots to three for Ottawa, just completely took this game over in the third period, and they just couldn't finish on the chances that they needed to. Like, I don't know, this week for me felt kind of disappointing. How did it feel for you, David? I mean... After the the uplifting week we had last week, I knew we were going
1: to get hit by a reality check this week. Um, but we kept the games pretty close for the most part, even though we didn't play as well as we could have. Um, but hey, we're back to being um, the projected number one pick. So I'll I'll take that. <laughs> what, what but we're winning right now.
0: Three to two. So we are winning right now, 32 against the Blue Jackets, but the Blue Jackets had the uh, the talent exodus at the end of the season. So it's not like we're playing against a team from last year. Um, okay. I don't know how to view this last week. I mean, I thought the Kings game was winnable. I thought the Senators game was winnable. And yes, all three of the games this week either went to overtime or were decided by one goal, which is a good sign. It means the games were close a lot better than earlier in the season. We were getting blown out by four or five goals. Um, I like this, that we're turning upwards against these teams. Mm -hmm. Looks like the Wings are finally starting to find more of a groove against their competition, which is good. Um, Kevin or Nick, do you guys have any comments at all about this week's schedule for the Wings?
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you probably said it best, Jordan, where it was just kind of disappointing because they had some games that were close and that they probably could have won, but in the end didn't come
2: away with the points. Yeah, I mean, it's they've, they've looked better than what they have done in the past, or, yeah, past, since the season started. But, yeah, they're more competitive, but, yeah, they're not coming away with points here.
0: That's, I mean, that's basically it for the Red Wings this week. I mean, not really much to talk about because of the fact that the team didn't really have any amazing performances on the ice. I mean, all the games are close on the scoreboard. Um, let's go ahead and just talk about the Hawks week now from this past week. So... uh. Basically, Chicago having, I guess, a little bit better of a schedule than the Red Wings did in terms of the uh, they showed up on the scoreboard, the wins, losses, and points accumulation. So let's go ahead and walk through the games for this past week really quick. So they had a game versus the Predators on Saturday, which they won 7-2. to They beat the Sabres to 4-1, and then they lost to the Hurricanes 4-2. to um, The first game we talked about with predator 72 this game i thought was probably a great game for the hawks they got creamed the last time they met the predators uh, kevin mm. and nick sort of walk me through how this game went for you guys because this one was kind of i think the surprise for everybody yeah definitely i mean i'll start by giving myself a pat on the back because last week
3: i correctly predicted a win against the predators a win against the Sabers, and a loss against the hurricanes however i'd be lying if i said i expected this result out of the Predators game. This was an absolute blowout. Nobody was expecting this. Not even the Blackhawks were expecting this. A seven-two win. It was a crazy game, uh, and just everyone was scoring. And Robin Leonard was incredible. I think the uh, I think Nashville actually had more shots on net in this game, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, they to double check. Yeah, they did, huh? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Leonard just played really well, and it was uh, a really good offensive game for the Hawks for sure
2: <laughs> that's yeah I mean it was not expected seven to two against a team like Nashville is just unreal. It's actually karma for uh Robin or not Robin Leonard pecca yeah, yeah your favorite same. player yeah man, yeah absolutely well known but uh yeah Pecorine is saying the last time we played it was one of the easiest games in his career well, Pecorine had this one seven yeah, to two chased him out. Seven two on twenty-four shots. In it, what a game for the Blackhawks! It was. It just looked like every time I looked at the TV, they were putting the puck in the net. So, what? Uh, a unreal start to the weekend. Could not be happier with that game against the Predators. Uh,
0: the next game on the Hawks' schedule, they played against the Sabers and they won four to one. Keeping just sort of the like early scoring uh, game that they had from the Predators early on. Uh, walk me through this one. The
2: Kirby Doc game. Uh, yeah pretty yeah. much uh the blackhawks yeah they uh started they scored the first four goals of the game so it was just it looked like it, it, they just kind of got away with or no not the first it, it, it was the blackhawks game from the start of it they just looked unreal kirby doc <laughs> had the first two goals of the game uh kind of had he showed a little patrick canan on that game with two backhand, two backhand goals handers, there. yeah yeah and a little some silky moves too it was just uh you know, it was kind of his coming out party that game. He he's been on a nice roll, but that game really showed Kirby, what Kirby Doc's potential looks like and what he could do with the puck on a stick.
3: Yeah, it was unfortunate because right at the end of the game, as it was winding down, uh, Colleton sent Kane out there with Doc, and Kane was looking for for Doc to get him the the hat trick, and he uh almost got the third goal off another backhand, but uh, unfortunately uh, didn't didn't get it, but. Uh, yeah, almost a hat trick for Kirby Doc. It was a great game for him, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely I, a great game for a Kirby Doc.
2: I was just laughing too with Kirby or with Patrick Kane in the post game scrum that he was kind of he was saying like, "Yeah, I probably passed out passed up on a couple goals trying to get the kid the hat trick." Yeah, it, it was just the Blackhawks are having fun lately, and yeah, they are here. having fun. There's they good. Were just, they were just trying to feed Kane or feed Doc and let the kid shine.
3: Yeah, there's good chemistry in that locker room right now. I don't know if you saw there was a tweet from uh, Robin Leonard um, because uh, Alex Nylander is staying with his family. And so Leonard recorded a video of uh, Nylander playing with his kids and uh, Leonard's kids were just like jumping all over him and they were having a good time. And uh, then Adam Bofus responded to the tweet and he was laughing, and then Robin Leonard was like, watch out, you're next. (laughs) So there's just some good uh, chemistry going on with the team right now. And maybe Leonard hinting at a future extension. He's definitely happy here, so (laughs) (laughs) I think all Hawks fans can unanimously agree that we would love to have him extended.
0: And we're going to talk about the last game of the Hawks week. This one, not the win for you guys, but... Not a terrible game. You guys lost 4-2 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I think pretty much all of us were unanimous with this one last week when we thought mm-hmm. this one was going to be a loss. Uh, Peter Mrazek, the previous goaltender for, uh, weirdly enough, the Detroit Wings yeah. and the Philadelphia Flyers, putting up, what is I believe almost a 9-4 save percentage against you guys. Basically just brick walled you guys. Um, go ahead and just walk me through this one a little bit. So, you okay. it-
2: Oh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, so I mean, it was basically 50 minutes of dead hockey for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Carolina Hurricanes kind of, uh, you know, just demolished them for the first 50 minutes. And then the Blackhawks showed signs of life. To find, it was like eight minutes remaining. The Blackhawks came out, scored two quick goals in a minute yeah, and Yeah, Gus
3: scored, then Murphy scored, and it was like all of a sudden, wait, can we tie this one up?
2: Yeah, minute and 30 seconds, two goals, and yeah, so it was a 3-2 game, and the Blackhawks had a power play, and Taysk had a good opportunity right after that. So, you know, this game I like just because if this was a month ago, the Blackhawks lose this game 6-0 because they give up, maybe 6-1. to one. But <sighs> this, the way this locker room is, they're going to battle back. They're going to fight. They're having fun. They're going to go the extra mile for each other. And the way they fought back and tried to get in this game, it was something to note and a completely different culture change for the Blackhawks since a month ago. What
3: I will say, though, is that a game like this really proves that the power play needs some work, because when you score those two quick goals and all of a sudden it's 3-2 and you can tie the game and the Hawks go on the power play and then don't convert, uh, that's not very good. That's a situation where you need to tie up the game, and so I think it's quite evident that they need to rework the power play.
2: Yeah, the power play absolutely needs some work. The penalty kill is actually shaped up, and the power play is the only thing that's really slacking, which is kind of the opposite of last year. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, well, I'll get more into it as we talk about the quarter of the season. But yeah, uh, one of those things, and the Kane and Aho incident was kind of interesting, just because Kane seen himself in a the similar situation in 2015, where he broke his collarbone. Aho gave him a little cross-check when he didn't have the puck, and went flying in the boards and luckily avoided injury. But then after the game or with three seconds left, Kane got a 10 game, 10 minute misconduct because he went at Aho and Taze went at after, after Tara Biden. So a nice little scrum to end the game.
0: Oh, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we move on to the flash forward for this week? I think that's it. Okay. So now let's go ahead and do a little bit of a flash forward this week. Uh, During the flash forward we look at each team's schedule for this upcoming week and we sort of just break down the games and how we think that they're going to pan out and basically how we think everything will go down. So since we're already talking about the Hawks, let's go ahead and just stay on them. Uh, The Hawks are actually playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning as we speak. The score is currently Mm -hmm. 0-0. Then on Saturday they're going to be playing against the Dallas Stars at Dallas. And then... They're coming back to Chicago to play against the Stars again at home. So they're playing Dallas twice this week, and then they're playing Tampa Bay right now. Um, What do you guys think goes down with the Lightning game right now? Because we're still scoreless right now. No one's put themselves on the board yet. Yeah, I haven't been... I don't have the game on in the background or anything, so
3: I have no clue what each team even looks like right now. So I'm, I'm not really sure about this one because the Lightning, I believe, are missing Kucherov. So that definitely helps the Hawks. But then I think the Hawks, they scratched, they healthy scratched Kuba uh, League. So they're actually running seven defensemen today, uh, which is a little bizarre. So I don't really know how this one is going to play out, to be honest.
2: I'm going to go with a win. No Kucherov. Uh, and then they got Curtis McElhinney starting between the fights for Tampa Bay. So I'm going to say the Hawks come one. It's going to be a close battle, but I think the Hawks win. I'll uh, I'll
3: join you in predicting a Hawks win, mostly just because I want to see it. <laughs> I think
1: because, uh, like you were saying, with um, the backup goalie between the pipes, I think the Blackhawks, with the energy they have right now, could squeak out a win.
0: Hey, I, I think I pretty much agree. I think the Hawks will win this one. I think it's going to be close for sure. It's not going to be a blowout like the Nashville game at all. Yeah. And then the other two games, I mean, it's going to be a mirror in terms of the games, but we'll walk through each one. Uh, Basically, the Hawks are playing the Stars at home, and then the Hawks are going to play – or, sorry, the Hawks will play Dallas at Dallas, and then they're going to play against the Stars at home. So the same two teams playing basically back-to-back games against each other. They just have like a three-day break between. Um, Who do you think wins the game at Dallas?
2: I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with the Blackhawks winning. I'm riding high on the Hawks lately. The way they've looked, they, they haven't really given me a reason to doubt them. So Hawks win in Dallas.
3: Yeah, I think what I'll say is Hawks win in Dallas, but then lose in Chicago the next game. But these are definitely two really important ones for the Hawks because Dallas is uh, ahead of them right now in the Central. So they need to to get the, some points against them.
0: I think Dallas will win both of these games. But I think it's probably gonna be like a two goal win, if I were to guess. I mean I think Dallas has been playing fairly decent recently. I mean, they're they're what is it? It's like twelve and eight or something like that. And they're fourth in the central. I mean, I I think the Hawks have been playing great, but I think Dallas is just gonna win these games just strictly based on if we look at standings or not. Um, David, what do you think goes on with these games? Um I think I think they they flip games.
1: I think Chicago wins in Dallas, but Dallas wins in Chicago. Um I think Dallas has been on a little hot streak lately. Um but I think that Chicago steals the first one, but I think Dallas beats them I'm going to say overtime in Chicago.
0: It's it's kind of weird to have only really two matchups to talk about this week, but I mean, it's just kind of the way that the schedule works some weeks. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Red Wings for a minute in our flash forward. So as of right now, they're playing against the Columbus Blue Jackets winning three, two, um, then on Saturday, they're going to play against the New Jersey Devils Sunday. They're going to play against the Carolina hurricanes. And then on Wednesday, they're going to play against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Red Wings Blue Jackets game right now, currently three, two, um, I think this one's perfectly winnable for them. I mean, they're already up right now, yes, but I talked about it earlier. Columbus really just had a big talent exodus at the end of last season. They really went for it, and it didn't work out for them. I think this one is probably still winnable for the Red Wings. It's As of right now, not a blowout, but it's definitely going to be close.
1: Yeah, I think Yeah, and I um, yo yeah, well, go ahead, David. Oh, sorry. I uh, yeah, I think we hold on. I think it either stays three two or we win four two with an empty netter. But this has been a real close game and I think we hold on.
3: Yeah, so I, I agree with that. I think uh the Red Wings can definitely take uh, the win against the Blue Jackets because as you said, Jordan, Blue Jackets not really in great condition after losing a lot of top talent in the off season. Yep.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna stay with the unanimous pick. Give me the Red Wings closing this one out.
0: The uh, next game on the schedule, the Red Wings are playing against the ne- uh, New Jersey Devils on Saturday. Um, this one, I think the Red Wings can also win. The Devils have been just not good this season, I think is is the polite way to say it. I mean, they've, they haven't they have looked much better than the Red Wings, to be blunt. Um, I don't, again, think this is going to be a blowout because I don't think Detroit is that much better than New Jersey. Um and it's really a shame because a couple of years ago, New Jersey actually looked really good. I mean, they had Corey Schneider who was putting up Vesna level stats as a goaltender. Like, this has just been such a weird trend for New Jersey these past few years.
2: Yeah, and they just sent Corey Schneider down to the A. But yeah, I think uh, I'm going to say the Red Wings take this one again. It, uh, they're going to start a little win streak here. Maybe a two-game win streak at you tonight. Yeah,
3: I know you guys want that first overall pick, but I'm going to predict another W here.
1: Um, yeah, New Jersey hasn't been leading up to expectations, but I think the Red Wings will find a way to lose this game.
3: <laughs> okay, going against the uh, popular vote here?
0: That's what I do. Is that your way of saying they're going to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory? Oh, of course. It's going to be like some just ridiculous turnover that causes this game to be a loss. Um, their goalie's going to flip the puck all the way down the ice into the goal. Like a Ron
1: Hextall. Like a, um, well, no, uh, Bernier scored uh, last week.
0: He did. Yeah. Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, he That's slapped her trying. all the way down and got a goal. Oh, nice. I'll have to watch that one. Uh, the next game on the schedule, the Red Wings are going to be playing against the Carolina, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I think this one is just a loss. The Hurricanes are they're better than Detroit at every position. I mean, I don't see how Carolina can lose this game. They're better at forward, they're better at defense, and I guess yeah, you could say they're maybe quote unquote even at goaltender, but I just I think Carolina just is the overall better team this matchup, and I think they win it. Probably probably five to two if I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, they're gonna spank us.
2: Yeah, Carolina takes this one, and I think it's with E.
0: And then the next game on Detroit's uh, schedule, they play against the Toronto Maple Leafs on, uh, let's see, when is it? They play against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Wednesday. So I think this one is a toss-up, if I'm being honest. I know that Toronto has got the way better forward group, but they have not been living up to expectations at all. And I mean, I don't know if their new head coach is going to get into a groove with the team this quick with them, but they're also, I mean, a sub 500 team in this league and for what they have, I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe just like a morale thing that Detroit's going to capitalize on them. I mean, I think if Detroit gets depth scoring, they can win this one.
2: I'm going to have to disagree. I think the, you're going to see a whole new Maple Leafs team coming out and battling for their new coach and kind of, you know, a little spark in the locker room kind of wakes the boys up and I think the Maple Leafs take this one against the Red Wings.
3: Yeah, that's my opinion too. I think they're uh, they're now freed from the uh, Babcock shackles and uh, they're going to come out swinging.
0: Yeah. Um, does anybody have any closing remarks before we move on to our quarter season review?
2: No, I think that's good.
0: So normally at uh, this point of the podcast we do a player of the week but instead what I would like to do is since we're a quarter of the way through the season now I'd like to do a quarter season review and then each of us will pick a player of the team so far throughout the season who we think has been the standout player Um we were just talking about the Red Wings, so let's go ahead and stay on them for a minute. So, in terms of actual statistics for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, the team is not doing great by any means. They are, or what is it? they are 7, 13 and three, so definitely below the five hundred mark. Basically, at about was about .33, so winning about a third of their games. Um, they're definitely a lottery team for sure they've really just been on a cold streak until recently when they had lost 12 out of their 13 games in a row. And aside from the top te- or top line, until recently, they haven't really had much depth scoring either. So that's, I guess, a quick overview of what the team has looked like. Um, David, what are your impressions of the team so far? I mean, before we started this season, we knew um,
1: it was not going to be playoff-bound season. We knew we're still rebuilding. We have Eisenman coming in as the new GM, so he's going to institute his ideas and plans. Um, It's going kind of as I expected. Yes, we're going to get some wins. We're going to look really good at times because our young guys are really good, but for the most part, we're going to struggle because they need to grow, they need to develop, they need to gel, and uh, as we've talked before, I don't think Blashell is the coach to lead us back to the promised land. So I think His time is numbered. His days are numbered.
0: I I think me and you were both pretty much of the same opinion when the season started. I mean, neither of us really saw this team as a playoff team by any stretch. We know we're rebuilding. We know that we're not going to be really in the mix for playoffs by any stretch. Um, I'll admit, though, I did not expect this team to be on that bad of a losing streak this early into the season. Uh, last season it started kind of rough as well, but not that rough.
1: Yeah. I think the one plus that we have with Blaschel is that he's really great with our young players because he coached them in Grand Rapids and he's coaching them again. Like, um, we can credit him with the growth of Manta with Larkin with all those guys. Um, so I think that's his one plus, which is why his job might be safe. But at the same time, I feel like he is not the coach to lead us back to the cup. And
0: I think that's pretty fair. You know, I'm like credits where credit where it's credits due. you know, Jeff Blashill has done a great job of getting Anthony Manta to reach his potential of getting Dylan Larkin to play a great game. Um, I do still think there's work to be done with Athens. defensive game for sure. We all wanted him to turn into a centerman but just that hasn't panned out. And sometimes players just don't become what you want them to. That's sort of the game at this point and we've seen some great surprises in philip heronic and dennis chalowski which i think i touched on this last week when dennis Cholowski was the draft pick a lot of fans really didn't understand that pick but it's looking better the more and more we see it um i think if i were going to grade this team in terms of development i would give them a b i think The younger players are all taking steps forward. If I were going to give the team overall a score, I would say it's a D and it's not because they're doing poorly. It's just, I think even with what we have, I think we're performing below expectations. Like we knew we weren't going to be in the playoffs, but we didn't expect this team to be this terrible in the standings. Uh, At least I, I got to disagree with you. I knew from what
1: the the preseason projections were, we were projected to finish last in the Atlantic. From what I remember reading, um, I agree with you. Yes, with development, I would put us at a B because their young guys are playing well and like they're scoring, they're they're working well together. But I think we're a we're a D, room for improvement. I wouldn't give us an F because an F just means that we can't do anything right. But I think D is room for improvement because we're not average, we're not a C, but there is room for growth. So. But at the same time, I expected us not to do well. And I think many people did. Yeah. Oh.
2: I'll give you guys an A. You guys are going for this first overall pick, and you guys are yeah. on track. <laughs> this is what you guys want. Let's go. Oh, my
1: gosh. God, uh. I can't wait. Hold on. Let me go to Tankathon real quick. <laughs> said, like I said, we're at number one. Who's number 12? Nashville. Okay, Nashville's going to jump us for the first pick.
2: Oh, uh, please uh, no. Uh, yeah, come on now.
1: That's who's James number twelve, said
0: David. Last season, when they had the tankathon, like I ran it in Detroit, got the first overall with my first time running the tankathon simulator, and I was all sorts of excited. And then it didn't happen.
1: All right, I just simmed it, and it's it, it gave team. New Jersey. It gave Ottawa. It gave New Jersey, Ottawa, New Jersey, saying Ottawa again. Sorry. So...
0: Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Ottawa, Toronto. Oh Detroit. God.
1: <laughs> All right, so it took me about seven or eight, and Detroit got the first pick.
2: Toronto doesn't uh, have their pick. Uh,
1: um, what? Yes, they do.
2: I thought Carolina has their pick.
1: Nope. Carolina has. Well, no,
2: that
3: was that was in the 2019 draft. Yeah. Oh.
1: San Jose, Ottawa has San Jose's pick. So Ottawa currently with. Man, them. imagine
3: Toronto missing the playoffs and jumping up. <laughs> oh so, God!
1: So Ottawa's currently <sighs> at fifth and sixth rankings. Ottawa could technically get the first and second overall pick.
3: That would be amazing if they did.
1: <laughs> I think you mean terrible.
3: I would not be mad if that happened. I would. I would that, that would actually be a great redemption story for them.
1: Fuck their redemption Gosh. story.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I want to see the Red Wings get the first overall pick. We're like one of the only teams right now who is in the middle of a rebuild who didn't resort to tanking when we could have, like, seriously just gotten assets for players that's fair so first overall to the wings and then second and third to ottawa i'll allow it, that kevin i'll uh, allow that <laughs> <laughs> um but seriously kevin and nick you guys are on the outside of the organization compared to uh, me and david what do you guys grade the wings at in terms of where they're at right now in the season
2: on a real note uh what was it you lost 12 to 13 that's pretty embarrassing you know you kind of want to at least show signs of life but again your goal is to go through a high draft spot while also improving your future your future assets in the process and that's what steve Eisman's kind of doing robbie fabry trade and uh brandon perlini which obviously his numbers aren't really showing but you know it's it's showing signs that he's working to improve the future of this roster so if i had to be real i'd say like a based off team play but also the way I was kind of preparing for the future. I think uh, he's doing a good job in preparing maybe a high draft pick this offseason.
1: And I mean, fingers crossed, uh, over the summer at the World Junior Showcase, F. and Joe Valeno, or Joe fucking Valeno, uh, was line mates with Lafreniere. So, they know each other. Tells him to do
0: what Eric Lindros and say, I won't play for any other team but Detroit.
1: And also, Kirby Doc was on their line, so maybe... No, no.
0: uh-uh, uh, <laughs> hands off. We trade
1: you guys this amazing big-bodied defenseman named Jonathan Erickson.
2: No. Uh, We already already got one of those named Brent Seabrook, so we're all right. (laughs) Yeah.
3: But but listen,
1: he's Swedish.
3: It's not going to (laughs) happen. Iserman would just keep grilling Kirby Doc about smoking weed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) He'd retire. (laughs) Yeah, Kirby would end his career. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) He offered me a joint. I didn't know if I should take it. <laughs> He's
0: like, hey, man, do you want this? Do you want uh, it?
2: But, I, <laughs> I think, should he yeah, post I think,
0: like a nick.
2: No, 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 go ahead, Jordan, Sorry.
0: I was just going to say, somebody should post like a joking picture of like Steve Eiserman with Kirby Doc. And Kirby Doc should say, I did not smoke weed with Steve Eiserman." <laughs> I did not smoke weed with that GM.
1: As Iserman's eyes are just super bloodshot. He's like,
0: What? <laughs> But yeah, I think that's kind of where I see the team. And I mean, David, you sort of agree with or disagree with me on terms of where the t- or what the team's doing. But I, we both agreed on the development. The development has been great with this team so far. The young guys all improving, which is definitely a sign moving forward of good things. Um, and Kevin and Nick, I mean, you guys sort of agreed that, you know, our players are taking steps forward, which is good. But we're still in the rebuilding phase. Um, if you guys could give our team a grade for the season, what would you guys give it?
2: Rusty, uh, like I said, I I was kind of going to do it before we were uh, joking around, but I'd say like a...
3: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think it's a team that, as we've said, is rebuilding, and they're basically they've got veterans that they're kind of waiting to offload, waiting for their deals to expire, and in the meantime they are picking up newer, younger players, and eventually those veterans will be off the books, and they can really just focus on on those younger players going forward
0: yeah so i mean mixed reactions in terms of overall how the team's doing but i think everyone agrees the development's good um now let's go ahead and just do a player of the team so far for the season uh david who would you say has probably been the standout for this team so far oh god
1: um it's a toss-up for me between two. I think Anthony Manta has really fell into a groove of his own. I mean, he's got 12 goals already in the season. He's really doing well. But then you have the leadership um, showing and Dylan Larkin. So it's a toss-up for me. I would say both of them if I could. Um, but if you're going to make me choose, like if you have a hammer to my knees and you're like, I'm going to bash your kneecaps okay. if you don't pick, um, I'd go Larkin. I think his leadership's really showing in the team, and he accepts blame for the team. When they're not doing well, oh crap! Columbus just went up five three.
3: Whoa, what? Oh,
1: hey,
2: what?
3: Our prediction's not looking so
2: hot. What <laughs> happened? What happened? We just All right, so they, so they, so, so they. Out?
1: So they scored at fifty th- five on the power play to tie it, and then 11.17 to take the lead, and then six minutes and 11 seconds left to
0: go up 5-3. So, uh,
2: yeah, that's... I retract I, I, I my uh, prediction for that game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the All right. Red Wings clutching defeat from the jaws of victory. There you go. All right, so yeah.
2: Who's your player of the season so far? Quarter season.
0: My player of the quarter season so far has probably got to be Tyler grasping at straw Tyler sixth round pick grasping at straws Bertuzzi oh yeah I I wish I could remember who put that quote out but if there's ever been like I was wrong quote that is that is it in hockey like this he's elevated his game to a completely new level this season like I remember when he got drafted a some reporter came out and said, you know, the Red Wings are wasting the draft pick at this spot. This kid should be like a seventh router around and they're grasping at straws with this pick. This kid's been amazing. He can play top line. He can play second line. He can play third line. Like he plays throughout your lineup. He puts up production, like he makes everything happen. And he's like the perfect player for a team. He, He's been a workhorse. He's constantly competing hard at every shift. He's like, in my opinion, the perfect player right now for the Red Wings. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He was uh, my third pick if I
1: didn't have the other two. Um,
0: Kevin or Nick, based on what you guys have seen of the Red Wings this season, do you guys have anybody who you would say has been like an exceptional player?
3: Uh, Yeah, I'd agree with uh, David's pick of uh, Dylan Larkin. That's who you picked, right, Larkin? Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'd agree with that, I think. Uh, and not too much of a surprise with the pick like that because Larkin is the, the face of the franchise now, and he uh, he just does so much for that team as a, as a leader. So, yeah, definitely Larkin for me.
2: Uh, and I would go with probably Anthony Manta, just the way he started the season. Um, you know, just a thrilling start. And he was kind of one of those guys that he'd ever... And he's kind of really maintained his CP pace since then. If we're going like the last... Uh, Fine last quarter, but eighth of a game? Uh then Robbie Fabry. Yeah, yeah Fabri. But no, Anthony Matthew. Fabriz. Anthony, Anthony Matthew's my uh quarter star player of the season for the Detroit Red Wings.
0: Yeah. Um let's go ahead and talk about the uh Chicago Blackhawks now. So just gonna pull up some stats really quick. Um just to pr- Give you some stats. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are currently fifth in the Central Division right now. They are 9, 8, and 4. So they're above 500 as a team. Um, this team has shown flashes of greatness and then they have shown complete meltdowns as teams. Um, would you guys say that's pretty fair?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a month ago, I would say it was a complete shit show, but lately it's been the greatness aspect.
1: Mm hmm.
0: I mean, Kevin and Nick, why don't you guys walk us through like what you've seen from this team so far?
2: All right, so just since, I mean, I guess since I last, really it's been since the Sharks game, they kind of refound themselves for a dump and chase team that really wasn't meant for dump and chase. They're skilled forwards, and they, they're they meant to enter the zone with people entry, and that's really how they've addressed, uh, adjusted since November started, they're 6-2, and they really started to find their recognize who they are and found their they want to play like and what they're meant to do. And this has been a completely different team. I mean, they're getting scoring from all lines, help from their defense. I mean, the first 17 games, their D men had three total goals, and the last four, they've had six goals. So it's just a whole new team that we really seen in October. They've just been on an unreal pace and it's kind of hard to keep up with. But this is a playoff team we've seen lately, and it's, uh, it's a very exciting championship lately.
3: Yeah, I think, as Nick said, this is a team that can make the playoffs. And they had that turnaround that there was that they started the season pretty poorly. Then they had that really abysmal game against the Sharks. And supposedly one of the higher-ups um, had a conversation with Jeremy Colliton, told him he needed to change things up, go back to the way, um, to the systems they were playing last year. So they did that. They kind of um, reverted back to to things before. And it started working again, starting as soon as that Canucks game. and It's been good ever since. Um, Obviously, they haven't won all their games. You know, no one is asking them to win every single game. But they have been playing very well overall. And we mentioned it earlier in the episode. Uh, There's good chemistry in that locker room. These guys are really getting along. And I think they all... They're all having fun playing hockey right now. They all believe in the system. They believe in each other. We've seen that there's been instances of instances of them standing up for each other and fighting for each other. This is a team that I think can really battle and, and work their way up uh, to, to fighting for a playoff spot.
2: And just in general, again, like their, spe- their penalty kill is definitely in prevention before- their power play needs some work if they want to be a truly competitive team and yeah. put themselves over the top. They need to make adjustments. I think it all starts with putting Taze back on the power play. One, they need to start. They need to stop worrying about having depth throughout these two units and just kind of load up one unit. That way, you know you're throwing out your because realistically, your number of power play unit's going to be out there a minute and a half at a minute and a half. Probably what they're going to be out there for the two-minute power play. So I think throwing Tays and Gustafson back on the power play one you could see some what they kind of did on the power play last year and yeah. I, I I want I want to see kirby doc put, on, put at least one of the power plays it's good. that's what I was gonna say yeah yeah he's starting he's starting to show uh, confidence and confidence to in influence the confidence in these guys put them on a a chance of score I think kirby doc at least on power play two which and just boosts his confidence even more and you can get more production out of him
3: yeah kirby doc definitely needs to be on the power play I don't see why someone like Andrew Shaw would be there over him. I think Doc has proven that he is quite capable of scoring goals, and I think he would definitely inject a lot into the power play lineup. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so if you guys are going to give the uh, the Blackhawks organization a grade based on development and a grade based on team play, what grades would you guys give them?
2: I would give them a B plus. Yeah,
0: I agree. With, I'd agree with the B plus.
2: I mean, the you would you would never imagine with the slow start they had to start the year, where they would be two points back from a wild card spot right now. You know, they they all the tale it always is is if you're in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, you're gonna make the playoffs in the NHL, and the Blackhawks are right there. So, uh, two points back, and they're they got point chance to take four points against the Stars in the upcoming weekend, and it's gonna be a big four points.
0: Um, so in terms of development would you guys also give them a b based on how you're seeing the players who you're looking to see progression taken out or progression happen uh progress
2: i would actually give them a in that set
0: yeah for development i'd go higher for sure
2: just it's kind of calton's actually shown i know i ranted about him literally at the beginning of this month but He's shown he knows how to handle these young guys. Uh, Alex Nealand, they gave him a healthy scratch, and kind of he woke up after that. Uh, Kirby Doc again is just is thriving in the opportunities he's given, and then Adam Boqvist, while he was up with the organization or with the NHL team, he just shined when he was given a chance. So when it comes to and Dominic Kubalik, I know they kind of healthy scratch him tonight, but he's great in chances too. So I would. Based off uh, developing these young guys, I think the Blackhawks are doing as good of a job as any team could.
0: So at this point in the season, who would you both say has probably been your player of the team so far?
3: Yeah, for me, the, the best Blackhawks player of the season so far is Robin Leonard. He's been absolutely incredible this season. He's making a really good case as to why. He should get that long-term extension in Chicago and why he's the uh, starter of the future for the team. He's just been playing incredible hockey. He, I think he'll definitely be in, in uh, Vesna contention again. And that's not to take away from Crawford. Crawford's also been really great recently. But Robin Leonard is the guy going forward. And every night he's always... It, the thing with him is he's so consistent. He I don't think he's had a bad game so far. He's just always... He's always on point each game, and I think he gives the team a lot of confidence. They know that he is going to be doing a great job in net, and that gives them the confidence to – it gives them the confidence that they know that they can win every night because they've got such a great goalie backing them up.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kevin. I think uh, Robin Leonard a great pick for you just because, like you said, I mean, a few years ago they had Cam Ward and Colin Delia as yeah. uh, as who they had to trust. And, and Forsberg before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Robin Leonard could handle all these shots that they're, I mean, it, there's, uh, it's obvious that the Blackhawks are facing more shots tonight than they're actually putting up, but the Blackhawks are taking advantage of their scoring chances. And they got guys like Robin Leonard back there to stop 45 shots a game, 30, 40, 35 to 45 shots a game. So, this is a confident team, and it's all because of number 40 back there between the pipes. But if I had to go, my player of the week, I say, not player of the week, player of the quarter season. Yeah, I. It's kind of hard not to say Patrick Kane. I mean, mm-hmm. twenty-eight points. He's seventh in the NHL in score, twenty-eight points. So, and he's kind of just been carrying the load. He's on a ten-game point streak, and yeah, it's got to be Kane. I, there's, I've been pumping so many guys' tires like Brandon Saad, but just the way Patrick Kane's is leaving this team and just can continuously doing so it's hard not to choose him so yeah Patrick Kane former MVP is my part of the season player of the season so far yeah
3: and you can never go wrong with Patrick Kane he's basically the Blackhawks player of the season every year (laughs) yeah
2: just pet just pet him in basically it's really all you gotta do I mean it's it's hard to get creative Patrick Kane on your roster
1: sorry mine's cutting out did you say something i was
0: gonna ask uh, who would you <laughs> say is the player of uh chicago who is sort of like the player of the team if you will
1: oh i gotta go with what nick was saying patrick Kane. i mean he's been flashing highlights this season with his points and where he isn't is a scoring leader he's in the top 10 scoring scoring um yeah it's gotta be patrick Kane.
0: i make a pick that i don't that nobody on this podcast made, but, uh, I'm actually going to go with Jonathan Taves. Um, He had a bit of a slow start to the season, comparatively speaking. But I watch him on the ice. He does a lot of the little things right. He still shows up on the scoreboard, not like he did in previous seasons. But he's that veteran presence, the guy who the rest of the team sort of looks to. He's a leader. He does things right. And while he may not make these big flashy plays, The little things are often what win you hockey games, and I think he does all of them well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Taves will constantly get bashed by uh, national media for not producing to his contract, but he gets he's deservingly paid for what he does in the locker room, on the ice, one of the best two-way players in the game still. So I like your pick, Jordan. I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he does.
3: Yeah, it is a down year for Taves, but... As you said, he's the captain. He is the locker room leader. He's the guy that everyone looks up to. So in that regard, he's just always invaluable to the team.
2: Especially right. in the year of developing these young guys. So great. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good pick.
3: Uh,
1: breaking news, final score report. Columbus Blue Jackets win 5-4.
0: So the Lynx actually came back, though, from that little deficit. Yeah, little Burt scored.
2: And Hawks are trailing 1-0 after the first period. Yeah, I think Sergachev scored for
3: the Lightning.
2: Yes. So there's your uh, Stick Blade Podcast update on the scores that you already know
1: happened. <laughs> Stick Blade Score Update has been brought okay. to you by Powerade because Gatorade won't support us.
2: No free ads, no free ads. Let them pay us. For, let them pay us first.
0: Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to add before we move on to our fan mail segment of the podcast?
2: Yeah, just a quick note. I'd like to congratulate Joel Quinville on his 900 career NHL
0: win. Uh, congrats to
2: Coach Q. Uh, future Hall of Famer, what a career he's had so far, and I'm hoping to see more success down in Florida.
3: Oh, I'm speaking of future Hall of Famer, uh, I think it was uh, there was news this past week that um, for the next induction to the Hall of oh, Fame, yes. Osa will be eligible.
2: Yes, that's a good note. Yeah, uh, Marion Osa kind of a rare occurrence but yeah Marino's is eligible to be on the in the pro ho- uh, pro hockey hall of fame next season so
3: yeah we forgot to touch on that but uh for me definitely uh a first ballot
2: pick oh no doubt in my mind and I think uh you know with him being on the Red Wings I'm sure David and Jordan could agree on that
0: yeah uh, I-, I think Hosa makes it and it's not really any sort of question <laughs> yeah
2: first ballot he deserves it just one of the Best players in the league and one of the greatest guys in the league, just personality-wise
0: as well. A lot of people in uh, Detroit don't like the way that the Host's situation like went down. I'm all right with it because we, I mean, I basically view it as revenge for Chris Chelios for you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think though Marion Hosa is absolutely a first ballot guy. I don't really see why he wouldn't be. I mean, his stats and his play on the ice absolutely make him a first ballot.
2: Thousand percent
0: is everybody ready for what he said said. uh does anybody have anything else they want to talk about before we go to fan mail this week no (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh at this point in the episode we're going to move to our fan mail segment uh basically what we do is we look at any sort of fan mail that you guys send us and talk about it on the podcast um We collect it from either the email address, we try to collect it from Twitter, or in this case now, uh, I actually posted our podcast on Reddit, so we're officially uh, on Reddit posting, so hopefully picking up a little bit of uh, fan interaction that way, and the first week, and I've already gotten a little bit of it, so um, we've got a question, well, I guess, questions and comments that i can read out for us so (laughs) let me just pull them up real quick
1: there is a comment on the reddit page
0: it is a comment so uh we've got a couple comments to read here really quick uh the first comment that we have comes from attila the fun uh, thanks for sharing. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to cover both the Wings and Hawks on the same show? Uh, so I feel like a lot of Wings fans still have some ill will towards Chicago. It could be, it could just be me. Do you address that dynamic at all? Um, Good question. So I put this podcast, or I started assembling uh, this podcast in the summer and. My thought behind the podcast was this who are fans of a sports team. They like to hear about that team. But I think at the same time, when you have a podcast that only covers one team, you very much get an echo chamber of your thoughts and opinions, meaning that you're not getting opinions from people who can look at your team situation, objectively speaking. And the other thing is that, you know, I also wanted to look at two teams, one who is in the rebuilding phase and one who is still in what is considered their window for being a contender right now so if you're a fan of hockey you can sort of get an idea of what it's like being in the basement versus what it's like being at the top so it's got that dynamic as well and also, I like the fact that there's history between both of these teams. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the Chelios and Jose deals out. Both of those deals at the time were really big for the franchises and really were important things about what made them competitive in their windows. So there's just a lot of history between the teams. Both teams are at different spots in terms of whether they're contenders or rebuilders. And if nothing else, the teams are both in really close or fairly close proximity. So you can sort of pull fans from a more general area than just choosing one team. So that's, I guess, why I went with both teams for this podcast.
1: And for me, um, if I can jump in, yeah, um, we used to be a big rivalry. We're both original six teams. Um, So that rivalry has been there for a long time. Um, And it's just. To, in every game i've watched them like back when we were both in the same conference every time we had the game on the schedule i knew it was going to be just an action-packed game and i feel like the rivalry because we have moved to the eastern conference has died down a lot but there are other podcasts like everywhere where you have um hosts that are fans of different teams like a very big soccer podcast that i listen to men and blazers the two hosts are fans of um, two competing teams in the British Premier League they're not necessarily rivals with each other but they're two opposing teams um, so it happens and I think you know like you were saying having the two teams be in close proximity to each other especially when our rivalry used to be a, a big rivalry um, brings a lot of you know depth and connections to the conversation because we know each other's teams and um, Pretty well from the years of watching each other play. Unlike if it was like a Detroit Red Wings and a Los Angeles Kings podcast, because it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't have the same like oomph and depth that you can get with two teams that used to just have a very heated rivalry.
2: Yeah, and I, to just kind of bounce off that, it's also two of the biggest hockey markets in the world, or not the maybe not the world, but the United States. It's Detroit and Chicago. It's, like, like you said, original six. It's two of the teams that come to mind when you think the NHL. So it's reaching out to probably two of the biggest hockey fan bases in the world, and, yeah, we kind of want to just give our inputs and, you know, kind of joke around, keep things light, and give everybody news. Uh, we kind of covered the ill will a few weeks ago how, uh, you know, it's all right kind of maybe not be fans of both, but you could root another team. And, yeah, so the rivalry is kind of dead, but this is kind of – we have fun going back and forth, making fun of each other. And yeah, it's just something that we love to do. And, you know, we we'll also talk about our two favorite
0: teams. And, and that's another thing you kind of mentioned it, it, you know, the rivalries kind of died down at this point. Um, so it's one of those things where, I mean, yeah, like we'll have a couple interactions on this uh, podcast when the teams play each other, you know, twice a year because that's what they play each other now, which is unfortunate, because I really enjoyed when Detroit played Chicago. Oh, it was and, so much fun. I mean, I get I get flack from one of my coworkers all the time, but I actually like both teams. For me, it was one of those things where I never really held ill will towards Chicago, even though like I'm a primarily Red Wings fan. Like To me, I always respected their organization in terms of how they handled themselves, and I think there's just – When you look at these original six teams, right, like there's just so much history there to look at. There's just so much in terms of like talent depth to look at. And you can analyze all these different periods, all these different players with these teams that have been around, you know, almost a hundred years that you don't get that level of depth. You don't get that amount of dedication to a team. That say has only been around for 25, 30 years. I mean, yeah, those fans are obviously gonna be, you know, just as passionate, but you don't have all that history to draw off like the Red Wings and the Blackhawks do. They're they're basically hockey royalty. I mean, Chicago is arguably the closest thing to a modern dynasty in the NHL. They defied what the salary cap was designed to do. And the Red Wings have just had ridiculous amounts of success when they had the Russian five together, when they had all of those late round draft pick steals, like Pavel Datsug, like Henrik Sutterberg, like Nick Lidstrom, these teams were just dominant in their time periods where they shined. And I think that's kind of fun to talk about because they were good at different time periods.
2: Yeah. And it also, I mean, we also got bright spots for our future. You know, so, we're hoping that one day we could actually uh, both thrive on this podcast and talk about it a few times rather than one team start to succeed. So, uh, yeah, we're hoping more comes out of it. You know, the more successful our teams are, the better the content we <laughs> for listeners.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think like we've been talking about the rivalry used to be like very, very heated. And I think one of my favorite parts of the rivalry was was Chris Chelios. I mean, you guys had Chelios, he was a legend for you guys, and he always just talked so much shit about Detroit, voicing about how much he didn't like us, how we were overrated. And then we're like, Oh, let's trade for Chelios. And he's like, Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> 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 and he jumps shit. He waves his no trade clause, jump ship here. And like his best years were behind him, but coming here it revitalized him like he played really well for a couple years here so it was nice you know having that fun rivalry and like bringing him over here to where like we hated him he hated us and then he came here and he loved us and you guys hated him well not you didn't hate him but
2: (laughs) we make fun there's a lot of chicago fans that make fun of his spray tan still but
1: oh Oh, my gosh freaking love chelly but
2: that that was a good question
0: yeah that is I really enjoyed that question. That's actually a great question One we haven't really talked about it on the podcast all that much. So uh, thank you for that one. That one's good. And then the other uh, comment that we have to read out from Reddit comes from Ranger Overdose. It says, uh, <laughs> it says uh, "Good luck with the podcast, but I have nothing of value to add besides fuck the Red Wings."
2: <laughs> I get behind that one. Hi,
1: sweetie, so Dad.
3: Fuck you. <laughs>
1: and that bot, your freaking bot. Yeah. Uh, the say, bot hurts worse than so him. Say,
2: so say you, say, so say we all. Fuck the Red Wings.
1: The bot hurts more.
2: <laughs> that just shows the uh, uh, the personality of the city of Chicago right there. Just Hey, uh, good luck, but fuck you too. You,
1: you know what, Chicago, I got one thing to say to you. I love your pizza and I love your hot dogs. Never change.
2: Way to take
1: that road. Hey, uh, my grandparents lived in Chicago most of my life. That was like my second home. So that's why I love the cubbies.
0: Oh man. But, but thank you for uh for the good wishes. I appreciate it. Um that's it in terms of Reddit. I didn't see anything on Twitter, unfortunately. So that's pretty much gonna be it for the uh fan mail segment this week. But I really liked uh like the question. So if you're listening Thank you, Attila the Fun, for the question. Uh, feel free to give us another one next week. I'm going to try to start posting our podcasts in the uh, respective subreddits each week from now on. Sort of try to develop a, uh, a template thread that we can post for fans to start engaging with. Um, but if nobody has anything else to add, I think that's pretty much going to be it for tonight's episode. We've talked a lot about a couple of different things with the league. Um, The quarter season review was something that we've been sort of talking about and thinking about for the past couple of weeks. So if nobody has anything else to add, we can go ahead and close out tonight's episode. Yeah, I
2: think that's a wrap for the week.
0: As always, we'd like to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. If you ever want to give us any sort of fan mail suggestions, rude comments, like the fuck you uh, Red Wings, (laughs) you can always either find us on Twitter and our Twitter handle is at StickbladePod. You can either find us there, or you can either find us at our email address. The email address is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And then we're also starting to post uh, threads on Twitter. So if you want to message us, message us there. Um like what you heard though. Feel free to give us a follow on either SoundCloud or iTunes, whichever is your podcast platform of choice. Um you can obviously find us on either platform, SoundCloud. The link is soundcloud.com slash Um, I can't remember the exact Apple iTunes one off the top of my head, but we usually posted it on our Twitter or in the uh, episode thread on Reddit. So either way, whichever way you like to get your podcasts, you can find us on those platforms. And as always, again, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Jordan Lundscott, and tonight I was joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Kevin Page, or sorry, Kevin Musco, <laughs> and Apple Page. And with that being said, you guys have a good evening. Go Blackhawks and go Red Wings.
1: But more importantly, go Red Wings.